Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. This morning with Jay back in the house, we got to talk about how good the Titans are and maybe how fooled we were by the Bills. That's all on the way. But if you just heard those comments before you heard my voice on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance, simply put, we're going to start with the bigger NFL story, bigger than the standalone game last night. That would be the one standalone team that wanted to give Le'Veon Bell $25 million guaranteed. Jay Will's in the house. He loves talking about return on investment, rev share. All right, mm-hmm. Jay, for 25 mil guaranteed, the Jets got 3.27 yards per carry out of Le'Veon Bell and four touchdowns in 17 games. In this city, we're in New York. The Jets are affectionately known as Gang Green. Before, Le'Veon we, even, before we even talk about that, is though. Gang Gone. Before we even get there? Yeah. When it first came across, what did you say? Like, what what was your mindset when you saw Jets huh. release Le'Veon Bell? Was it like, because two hours before they were trying to trade him, and then they made a decision to go ahead and release him. What was your mind there, Jay? What did you think? Well, if the Jets are gangrene, does that mean that Joe Douglas is an antibiotic? <laughs> like, because I feel like maybe it's Joe Douglas what they need to help heal the gangrene. That's the problem. <laughs> it's, it's, it's deeply embedded within the organization, it feels like. I mean, the decisions that they made before Joe Douglas obviously got there, he's still inheriting all these issues. Yeah, and, and when you look at it, Mike McCagnan, the old general manager who signed Le'Veon Bell, who essentially brought in Adam Gase, I don't know how much. See, this is the thing that drives me crazy about the league and the personnel that make the decisions in the front office, the executives. When you sign Le'Veon Bell after sitting out a year and you gave him his money, which that was his goal. His goal is to get his money. He got his. Did you not say to yourself, we run a certain type of scheme that may not fit Le'Veon Bell's skill set? So we can maximize our investment? Or did you just sign him because he was Le'Veon Bell and he had success in Pittsburgh and you really didn't do your homework and your due diligence of what type of patient runner he is and what type of blocking scheme you had to put in implement into your offense to be able to get it done? The offensive coordinator in Todd Haley that was with Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh for many years knew how to utilize him along with Antonio Brown, where Adam Gase wants him to fit into whatever trash of a system he's running on the offensive side of the ball. And so it all started with the money. I don't want to pay a running back this type of money. No, that wasn't really it. It was that running back because clearly Adam Gase knew that that running back at Le'Veon Bell wasn't going to fit in his system, and he wasn't looking to change his system to fit Le'Veon Bell. Coaches tend to do that. They tend to try to what we call get out in front. They want to get out in front of something and make it seem as though, uh uh-oh, we shouldn't have paid Le'Veon Bell all this money because he's not worth it. Was really the bottom line for me was you don't want to change for Le'Veon Bell to make Le'Veon Bell fit your system. And, exactly. and, and you would say to yourself, well, why would that be if you're trying to run? I mean, you're trying to win games because that's what coaches do. That's why they went out and signed Frank Gore because Frank Gore fits exactly what Adam Gase wants to do and not but, Le'Veon Bell. But, Keith, this is all about planning and being strategic, and sometimes I hate when coaches get in their own way. 
the way you get rid of somebody is you properly position them to get the best price on the market. So how do you do that, Key? Keep you your don't, mouth quiet. Exactly. That's you don't de- you don't devalue <laughs> them. You don't let altercations get out there. No. And it just seems like Adam Gase has this history of not being able to make it work with star players. Go back to the Miami day. Jarvis Landry. Do you guys remember that whole situation in Miami yes. with Jarvis Landry? Uh-huh. Where he tried to use him by saying, hey, look, I'll punish you and I'll get you over to the Cleveland Browns. Like, it just turned into a really big scenario. Jarvis ends up leaving. Adam Gase ends up going to the Jets. Fine. Everybody's happy. But it just seems like there's this constant contention that he has with star players. Then pass on to Le'Veon Bell. Then go with Jamal Adams, but you know, potential Hall of Famer that forced his way out of the Jets. And now look what's happening to Sam Darnold, the top three pick that looks like he has no idea what he's doing on the, on, the, on the field. You know, the Jamal Adams situation is more of a Joe Douglas to me than it is Adam Gase, which I'm okay with the Jamal Adams situation. Jamal I'm just saying aesthetically what happens to the Jets organization, it just feels like these things continue to pile up. Well, it's up. been a bad organization for quite some time, that's for sure. No matter who the owner was, it, it, it's just – And I'm just delegating the, the blanket, though, Key. I know you're specifically outlining who the blame belongs to, but if you're looking at it just holistically, you're just saying, man, just how messed up – this is a ship well, that I you're think, constantly plugging holes into. I think it, – it, 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 go back to Joe Douglas. I think they're going to get it right with Joe Douglas. I don't think Adam Gates will be there to see it get right, but I like what Joe Douglas has done. Uh, Again, the Jamal Adams situation, you know, pro bowl player for the Jets, really good football player, no question about it. But when you're able to get that type of uh, ransom, so to speak, for a guy who's a safety, you go ahead and you take that when you're trying to build a team. If they're going to give up two number one picks, go right ahead because we could get, for the most part, we can get a safety somewhere later part in the draft or through free agency that'll give us the same things that we're looking for in the secondary. Uh, so Joe Douglas, I think he's, like you said, Jay Will, starting to clean up some of the mess that was left behind. Uh, now he has to kind of clean up the mess on the coaching staff, so to speak, as time goes by. Uh, you you certainly look at it from a Le'Veon Bell standpoint and say, okay, they signed this dude. $56 million over four years. Le'Veon Bell set out to get his money. Now, he'll never be able to recoup that 13 or so million dollars that he left on the table the year that he didn't play in Pittsburgh. But in the end, he still got a new contract. So he got what he got. The Jets still lose in this because they basically signed the guy for 19 months, gave him as much money as they gave him to get no production out of him. And, you know, you look at it now, it's like, okay, cut bait. Let him walk. But if Adam Gase never criticized the signing of him to start a negative relationship with him from day one, they could have very easily picked up the phone and probably got something in return. But when teams out there know that you're probably going to wind up releasing this guy because you guys don't get along, you can't get anything. But Zubin, you just that, can't get anything. That goes back to the gang green comment and about Joe Douglas trying to be the antibiotic for it. I mean, think about how deeply embedded this is going back to Mike McCagnan, right? Think about some of the horrific draft picks this team has made. Devin Smith, Christian Hackenberg. Hackenberg, wow. Think about some of the people that they paid. First one in, last one out. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell. Didn't work. They should have been there longer. Muhammad Wilkerson. 
I mean, this is so deeply embedded. There's so many moving parts. There's so many things to fix. And then you still have Adam Gase, who is just not making it easier. You know he should go. But the question is, when should he go? And if you're Joe Douglas, you're just sitting there saying. You probably, you probably can't fire him right now. And the reason is, is there's probably nobody on the staff that they're willing to allow to be the interim coach that had. I mean, you could Greg Williams, but the defense is so bad that if you hand it to Greg Williams, it's like. It's not like you handed it to somebody with a great defense. You could give it to Sean Jefferson, the receiver coach, and let him be the interim, but he's never been a head coach, so how would he run the meetings? Just give it to somebody else, please. Let's quickly run through just some things on Le'Veon Bell to remember here. Just 2017, not a lifetime ago, in 2017, he led the NFL in carries and total touches. In 2018, as Key said, that was his Waterloo. That was when he said, I'm not playing, I'm not sitting out. This guy's a three-time Pro Bowler and more impressive to most people inside football. We go gaga over Pro Bowl. Most importantly to people inside football, this guy is a two-time All-Pro. So he leads the league in touches, All-Pro, Pro Bowler, showed none of it with the Jets, who now are 0-5, going to Miami, Gase's old stomping grounds, and have arguably lost their top offensive and defensive players, shedding them both in a matter of months. Be a part of Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. We're asking you at Key J and Z. Heard the fellas this morning. Le'Veon Bell's release. More of an indictment on Bell or the Jets? Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin were presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us this morning and every weekday morning on the Shell Pennzoil performance line so here's the deal with the titans on tuesday night football 24 positive tests that's what they had to deal with 16 days off one practice 
and one dominant performance over 60 minutes. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. You heard all of that courtesy of 104.5 The Zone. Who needs practice? They only had one of them. Bottom line, before we get into what we saw from the Bills and the Titans, just one mention from Commissioner Roger Goodell, and that is he said, for those people that are looking for a punishment for the Titans, for everything that had happened, holding a practice outside the facility, Goodell Tamp that down, essentially saying, look, I'm not worried so much about discipline right now. I'm worried about safety, not discipline, safety. So don't expect anything really onerous to hit the Tennessee Titans. So Goodell weighing in on that. Now the Titans hit the bills. <laughs> I might be concerned about the safety of Josh Allen. Everybody was talking about King being an MVP candidate. It felt like the halfway Heisman, right? When you have somebody that's there you never really bought into Josh Allen as an MVP candidate. Yeah, you know, look, it, it's, a, it's a good story. Dan Orlowski brought our attention on a national scene from a media standpoint to Josh Allen. There's no question about it. At that time, he was playing extremely well. And he's still playing well, although he ran into a little bit of a buzzsaw last night for the Tennessee Titans. And, and when yesterday on our show, I said, I want to see. It's a big stage. Everybody's going to be watching. Do we just call game? Tuesday Night Football a big stage? Jay, be quiet. I'm just saying. Big stage. I, okay, okay. Tuesday All right. night. All right. I'm just asking. It was a only valid game, question. Only game in town, though. I, okay. That's, that's valid, what, it felt more like Thursday Night Football. I don't know it, if it's a big you, stage. But it's a big stage because you're the only game in town. Two undefeated teams. And two undefeated teams. It, it, whether people on the West Coast is watching, certainly people in New York and Buffalo's watching in Tennessee. I know. I know. I know we're, we're football, but. Did it feel big to you guys? It did. I mean, did to it me, feel big? I mean, it, it, did it feel big leading, leading into the game? Well, I don't. I, I didn't say the hype behind it. I'm just talking about the stage that's set. Everybody's watching. Let's assume everybody's watching because it's the only game in town other was, than the Dodgers. And it was you, unprecedented you know because of what the Titans were dealing with. Yes, no team it, had played a game considering those circumstances. Sixteen days, COVID. What's the punishment? All of the stuff in Buffalo trying to take over the AFC East from the New England Patriots. I understand. So I, when you set the scene, it becomes bigger. So I wanted to see what it was going to be all about for Josh Allen. And when you looked at it on the surface, you said, okay, they they should be able to handle business because this team, 16 days, one practice, should be rusty as hell, but that wasn't the case. And Josh Allen went out there and played pedestrian at best. Turned the ball over. Through interceptions, he didn't. He wasn't in rhythm and in sync in terms of completing passes. He was throwing behind Stephon Diggs and Beasley, throwing in front of Stephon Diggs and Beasley. He just didn't look like he was ready for the moment at that point in time. Was it too big for Buffalo as a whole? Because what Tennessee did, on the other hand, was take care of business, Jay. Yeah, I look, I, I, I don't think the game was as big as we're making out to be. I understand that the record's leading into it. Tennessee coming off, you know, not playing a game since September 27th. I also recognize that this same Buffalo Bills team, even though, look, the pick that Josh Allen threw when it was 21 to 10 was a bad pick. The first pick, I don't think it was his fault. You got to make that catch. But I also think this is the same defense that we're missing two starters, right? Linebacker Matt Milano, all pro cornerback, you know, uh, Trey Davis, White. So I, I, I give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to say that he's – drastically out of the MVP race because he didn't have a he had a subpar performance. I give actually Tennessee a lot more credit for this win. I think a lot of people quickly forget how last year this team in the playoffs beat the Patriots, beat the Ravens, ultimately losing to the Chiefs. Granted, 
Their record was 3-0 this year, and look, their first three wins were decided by three points or less against the Broncos, the Jags, and the Vikings. But I, I think Tennessee is the team that actually is better than people give them credit for. And actually, I walk away last night watching Derrick Henry, even though he threw for, you know, he only ran for one TD, watching the way that he just stiffed-armed Josh Norman, watching the way they moved the ball down the field. And Tennessee is a good team. That's what I would have did to you as a defensive back. Probably would have, because I don't like to get hit like that, dog. <laughs> but Tennessee is a good football team. When you, when you talk about Tannehill and what he's been able to do, I know a lot of people sit around and they talk about how to win Super Bowls, that you got to – because they – in their mind, they they look at Patrick Mahomes, and that's the latest Super Bowl winner. Mm-hmm. And they look at it and say, oh, he's high-flying, throwing the ball all over the place. No, man, that's not really it. That recipe that's portable that you saw last night with Derrick Henry and Tanny Hill and A.J. Brown, that defense, that's how you win the Super Bowls. You run the football. You have a quarterback that's going to make throws when necessary. You play big-time ex-receiver in A.J. Brown that's going to run slants, double moves in the red zone for touchdowns. You do all of those sort of things, and you don't look at the overall numbers. You look at the, how they were effective at what they did. When you look at Derrick Henry, he had 57 yards on the ground. Scored a touchdown, plunge. The quarterback also a plunge, running it in. Athletic. A lot of people forget that he once was a wide receiver at Texas A&M prior to being drafted by the Miami Dolphins. So they have what I believe is a recipe for success to win a Super Bowl. Again, you go back to some of the other Super Bowl winners. Quarterbacks make big throws in those games, but those games are dominated by the defense in the running game. You look at Kansas City last year. They ran the football extremely well in the playoffs and especially in the Super Bowl. I'm just not willing to write off the Bills yet because they didn't look great Dang. on the Tuesday night game. Yeah. And all I'm saying is this same team that, you know, <laughs> they beat L.A., they beat the Rams, they beat the Raiders, the Raiders turn around, then beat the Chiefs. That's all I'm saying. Just leave it, put it in perspective. A lot of moving parts playing a team that hasn't played Dang. since September 27th. Of course they should win, but a lot of unknown factors going into a Tuesday night game. Yeah, they got a lot of rest. Well, 42 to 16. I don't want to have recency bias like he does sometimes. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm laying it out there. The Bills are a good team. But the quarterback did not show up. Understood. And that stage still is what them, I wanted to see. Still giving them a chance to win their division, though? I still give them a chance, but there I like go. New England. Okay. With a healthy you can like, okay, but they're right there. I like they're Bill right Belichick. There. Hey, if the Pats have an opportunity here to scale back and the Bills want to move in front, we can change Buffalo's perception right away because next up for Buffalo, Kansas City. Yeah. Right? So that'll be the next edition of recency buys, but Aye. we'll see. We'll see if they want to change their perception. And to Jay's point, Denver, Jacksonville, Minnesota, each and every game, one off the foot of Steven Goskowski. This is the first game where they actually had a chance to breathe and relax, and they knew the outcome before the fourth quarter even started instead of winning it in the fourth quarter or overtime. Straight talk wireless. No contract, no compromise. On the way, how a World Series hero of just a few years ago and one of baseball's best players suddenly is completely lost at the worst possible time. Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Subin, the podcast.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Buster, good morning. We kind of mentioned the Dodgers down seven runs, rallying, but fall short 8-7. You were on the call last night with the crew on ESPN Radio. What were Dave Roberts and the players saying after that effort just falling short? Well, I mean, naturally, in their position now, down 0-2, and having gone into this as the favorites, they're seizing upon this. Uh, And they're saying, you know, after the game, basically, hey, this is something we can build on. We never gave up. We were, we were way behind, and you know this is going to vault us forward. And I got to say, uh, it, it did feel like in watching the at bats, as if the Dodger players were like, "Man, enough is enough." Because they had, I got texts from evaluators of the teams in the first game and a half, basically saying that, "Boy, the Dodgers look flat," and they, you know, got fired up at the end of the game, uh, and they had this furious comeback, and they wound up having the tying run on base as the game ends. Uh, but I, I would they're still down 0-2, and their pitching situation is a mess because they don't really know exactly when Clayton Kershaw is going to pitch. I think he's going to pitch in game four. But given his history of injury issues, you don't know. Um, this is We're going into the mud bog portion of this series because they're playing seven games in seven days, and both teams are going to have to find pitching. You mentioned Kershaw there. How concerned should we be? I know he has a history of back problems, but overall, how concerned should we be? Yeah, uh, uh, look, I I think that you basically go into this situation with eyes wide open because of that history. Um, When we got word yesterday that he was scratching that start, a a longtime evaluator uh, texted me and said, you know what, we're now, uh, because we're about two and a half months uh, since baseball started, he pointed out that we're now into that portion of the season where in the past Kershaw's broken down. You know, since 2016, he's had repeated issues with his back, you know, questions about his hip. Uh, and while when we talked to Dave Roberts last night, Dave said that, you know, Kershaw began to feel this last Saturday and, you know, subsequent days, and you would assume he's been getting medication, he's been getting treatment, he's been feeling better, but he's at an age and he has a history where you just probably don't know for sure. And we don't know how he's going to be when he goes out on the mound. If, if he can't go in four, who, who takes the mound? <laughs> I feel like I'm answering this for both teams. Cause you know, this is where the seven games in seven days uh, format makes this so intriguing because in past years, you know, they'd have the two off days built in and you could skip the, the number five starter uh, and it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Now it really is. Look, I, I, you know, they could start Dustin May, who has looked terrific in, in his appearances, but he doesn't have his pitch count built up. It basically uh, would be a parade of relievers. But here's the thing. 
The Braves are dealing with the same situation. I was texting with folks on that team last night. I'm like, hey, who's going to start game four? And they're like, we don't know yet. <laughs> so they know that they got Cal Wright going tonight. And obviously they're hoping to go up 3-0 and give themselves some flexibility flexibility in dealing with it. But your choices as you go into games four and five are either tired starters going on short rest uh, from earlier in the series or, you know, this opener strategy of going to relievers or, you know, throwing a guy out there and hoping a hero emerges. Yeah. Buster, let's go to the Rays and Astros series. Obviously, the Rays in their defense is pretty phenomenal. But, you know, what can you say about Jose Altuve? Uh, obviously, another huge throwing error in the Astros in their loss. Yeah, and, and look, I, I covered Chuck Knobloch in all of his years with the Yankees when he went from being a borderline Hall of Fame candidate, and he was on that trajectory to having his career destroyed by the throwing yips. It is absolutely, you know, someone who's covered the sport, and I know Jose and talked to him through the years, it's excruciating to watch, and there's no question about it. He's got the yips. You know, that throw last night, which was so pivotal, you know, bouncing the ball past Carlos Correa, um, he, he wasn't even close. And you can just see it in his, in his face. You know, I wasn't at the game last night where he was, but I was seeing tweets from people who were there that there was a pitching change subsequently and when, uh, when that happened, all the infielders, except Altuve, went to the mound. Uh, and then after you know, the new pitcher came in, all the other infielders went over to Altuve. They're talking to him. They're tapping him on the chest. He cares desperately. Jose is a, you know, a great professional. He's a great teammate. You know this is chewing him up. Now, I tweeted about this about an hour ago, and I can tell you, there are a lot of fans who are not feeling sorry for him. Like, they feel like, okay, karma, right. these guys are cheaters. As someone who knows him personally, I it's wrenching to watch. You know, it, it reminds me of, of, of Steve Saxey that played for the Dodgers yep. at second base. He he had a lot of the same issues. He couldn't throw the first to save his life. It was crazy. But let me ask you this. Uh, Hal Steinbrenner went out and said that uh, Aaron Boone would be coming back in 2020, 2021. He committed to that. What changes that – is it that the Yankees need to make to assure that they get back in the same position that they were in this year? Yeah, I think one thing is they have a really hard decision to make about Gary Sanchez, you know, when uh, their catcher. When Gary came into the big leagues, which you heard a lot from people, was, man, this guy, not only does he have power, yes, he has defensive questions, but the guy is a really good hitter, 270, 280, solid. He looked like a shell of himself the last couple of years. He looked like he was incapable in games of making adjustments. He's not good defensively. His salary is supposed to go up through arbitration. Um, I think that's number one on their on their list. They have to make a hard decision about whether or not to move forward with him. You know, personally, uh, I, I think they've become way too right-handed. I think that manifested in the series against the Rays when they're running out all these big right-handed relievers, and they were they really didn't have an answer for that. But here's the thing, you know, how I listened to the interview yesterday. He talked about the fact that uh, they, like other teams, have lost a lot of money during this time. And no one's going to feel sorry for them any more than they would Jose Altuve because they're the Yankees. But I do wonder uh, if they're going to be in a position where Hal is going to give the okay to, you know, to make the changes that are necessary for next year. They might basically go into 2021 with the same group. Mm. All right, Buster. I lo- always love hearing you talk about baseball. Let's hear you talk about some basketball. So I saw you were tweeting all day defending your Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Fingers going to worse. Jerry West, Magic, Kareem, Kobe, defend it. I want to hear it. It's a 
It's over. Like, I, as someone who grew up as a huge Laker fan, it is over. I mean, once you go beyond those four, it's a big drop down. And Elgin Baylor was a phenomenal player. You know, I, I loved watching James Worthy play with his uh, quick feet. But the idea that anybody has been with a team for one year or two years or, you know, three years, that sort of thing, could uh, – to knock any one of those other four off the Mount Rushmore? Forget it. Those are the four. <laughs> so, so wait, Buster, you have Jerry West over Shaq? Oh, absolutely. Jerry West, 14. Here's the stat. Shaq, in his eight years with the Lakers, 27 points per game, okay? Yep. Jerry West, 14 years with the Lakers, 27 points per game, the exact same number. And on top of that, how about the work that Jerry West did in the front office? Uh, so you uh, add okay. you add the front, front office, office to it. That's well, slick. Okay, well done, Bus. We, I see you. You, you add that to it, Buster. That's slick. Shaq has to look. We both LA guys. Shaq has to go in front. I know Jerry the logo in fourteen years, and he's it, we love him. We can squeeze him in if we wanted to, but Shaq has to be on there with three championships. Okay, and when you look at it, he could have had more if it wasn't some relationship issues there with Jerry Buster's long as well as Kobe Bryant. And hold on, Key, one thing too, Buster. So you're okay with Jerry Weston going to the Clippers organization? Like that's okay to go across the street after all well, your time Shaq with the Lakers? Well, other organizations too. If that's going to be the litmus test, you're okay with Shaq playing with other teams? No, I don't care about that. Okay, that doesn't okay. – yeah, everybody point. moves well around. Man, got to make a living. Well played, well played. Well, yeah, and on top of that, remember, Jerry West, you know, probably wasn't necessarily only his decision that he went and worked with other teams, and he did phenomenal work. And anybody who could arrange the trade that they made to be in a position to get Magic Johnson with the number one overall pick to add him to Kareem, I mean, that's got to mean something for Lakers' legacy. I, I Look, uh, like I said, yes, he is deserves to be on there, but if this is about just basketball playing – in championships and greatness and all those things, I don't think he adds Shaq out. Yeah, who was I the just, better player, Buster, Jerry or Shaq? Who was the better player? Uh, the more, the, well, the more impactful player, there's no question about Shaq. I mean, Shaq was a guy who was doing things nobody else was doing. But if we're talking about Lakers' legacy, Jerry West in his career, as you got, you know, I mean, he was a, he was an absolute superstar player at his level. In his time with the Lakers, he scored almost twice as many points as Shaq did for the Lakers. Okay. And it's about Lakers' legacy. All right. So, among LeBron and AD, who has the best shot at getting on? AD, because he's younger. You know, I mean, LeBron was phenomenal this year, uh, but just because of age, and you would assume, and I, you know, I heard what you said yesterday, superstars aren't going to leave the Lakers. You know, Kareem got their trade from the Bucks. He didn't leave after that point. No one leaves Uh, the Lakers. Nobody leaves the Lakers. Fair enough. And I want to just mention, for those of you just sort of tuning in, expecting Buster to be waxing poetic on baseball, yesterday during the program, we were asking you who your Lakers Mount Rushmore would be. Buster, as a hardcore Laker fan, weighed in and now verbalizing it this morning. So that was the deal on that. And if you missed it, Clayton Kershaw was scratched from game two. And that's the bulk of our conversation on the best Southpaw. Yeah, we're talking about the Lakers, not the Dodgers. (laughs) (laughs) That's Buster only, host of the baseball tonight. uh, We got to let him go. Never mind. He can always fill in on the low post no, podcast. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to ask him about Cody Bellinger, but never mind. I don't need to. He already knows what, how I feel. All right, Buster. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, guys. No off days. Buster hosted the Baseball Tonight podcast, which you can hear every single day. There is a game, and considering we have no off days for a while, you can download it every morning. Thanks, Buster. All right, so that's Buster just, only. I don't know. Cody Bellinger, it's just 
Man. He he came onto the scene and it just was, you know, we're like, ah, we got one. And he gets in the postseason and he forgets how to play baseball. Yeah, I wanted to say this, this to you. Everybody obviously yesterday with Clayton Kershaw, that was a big deal, right? But I don't I don't think you guys have a, a, a pitching is obviously an issue. But I don't think that's like your main issue. You guys have a home run issue. You guys have an on base issue. You guys have a scoring no, we, 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 run issue. We struggle, but right? our pitching. But but hold on, Key. Your offense has averaged two home runs per game throughout the regular season. Yeah, we 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 struggled at the. You plate. guys now have a total of five home runs in five and seven postseason games. We've struggled at the plate, but Kershaw is frustrating. If you have a history of knowing the Dodgers and knowing Kershaw, it's frustrating watching the guy, arguably the best at his time, at being the softball in delivering the ball. When we give it to him to be the ace, he tells us before the game. Hey, I can't get my back. I can't go. It's just frustrating. That's all. Right. And also keep I in mind. I love Clayton, but it's frustrating. You know, keep in mind during the regular season, the Dodgers played a third of their games against the Rockies and the Giants who didn't make the playoffs. So obviously now the competition ratchets up significantly. So the home run numbers might be down, but the co- quality of competition they're playing is certainly up. We'll talk a little NBA in just a moment. But first, let's go from A to Z. And from A to Z is brought to you by Redbox. New at Redbox, Irresistible, a hilarious comedy from the writer-director John Stewart, starring Steve Carell and Rose Byrne. Visit Redbox.com for all the ways to watch. Key mentioned this with Buster, if you were with us just a couple minutes ago. Hal Steinbrenner running the day-to-day for the Yankees, son of George, apologizing to Yankee Nation for the early playoff exit. He said this on the Michael K. Show on 9870 in New York yesterday, quote, I'm very disappointed, obviously. We invested a lot of time, energy, money into the team last offseason, and we all felt that we had a team that could win a championship, and we failed to do that. We didn't even come close. Some people thought this was the best Yankee lineup in the modern era. And, as Buster just told Key moments ago, don't be surprised if Hal and company trot out the exact same lineup in 2021. The Florida Gators have paused all football activities <laughs> after a coronavirus outbreak. There are 19 people within the franchise, the organization, the program have tested positive over the last several days. They got a huge game coming up with LSU. We will talk to Jimbo Fisher this morning at 810 a.m. Eastern. He is the head coach of Texas A&M. They just played Florida. So if you want to think about what their test might be, contact tracing, all of that stuff, we'll talk to the Aggies head coach about what it was like to play Florida amidst the news that the Gators have 19 positive tests and have stopped, hit pause for the moment, just a few days away from a gigantic gigantic game. One more Florida football note I want to pass along. 90-year-old Bobby Bowden is going to be released from the hospital today. He had battled coronavirus. He's doing all right. His family said he should be released a little later today. So just a college football legend from the Sunshine State. I wanted to make sure I got that in. To the NBA, Ty Lue has gained some momentum for the Rockets head coaching job, but there's another team very close to Ty that is in the mix for his services. More on that in just a second. And as for the Van Gundy boys, speaking of Houston, Jeff, who was there for four years, our lead NBA analyst, Jeff Van Gundy, was actually, remember back in the day, guys traded from the Knicks to the Rockets as a head coach. Uh, He had 250-win seasons. He's interviewing with Houston. You you know, uh, it's so funny to me. Why would you want to do that? Man, you got the sweetest job in the world. Right. Why would you want to stress yourself out, messing right. around, coaching a basketball team? That's easy. I, I, I can't do it. That's easy because once you're a coach, Jay Will, I you're can't. always a coach. Man, I'm not doing that. I'm, if I'm Van Gundy, I'm sitting right alone, Mark Jackson, them. I'm chilling. Mm-hmm. I'm not stressing my brains out. I've spent out. so many times with big-time head coaches, both on the collegiate level and the pro level. And when you see how they go through their preparation for games – 
like their whole regiment, that whole day, it feels like they're still coaching. They ask all the coaching questions. It's really hard to break that cycle, especially when they like to motivate and develop schemes. Like, And I've always said, JVG has always done this throughout the course of the game. He'll tell you what he sees from his coaching perspective, and it's never going to leave him. But the stress level of coaching, like he could do all of that, right? When the game starts, I don't have no damn vested interest in either one of the teams winning or losing. My stress level is down. I don't have to, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have to worry about that. I'm just like, no, nah, man, man, I'm cool. It's I'm, an addictive doing, quality, man. I, I get it, but I I'm get doing it. I love it. I'm one of the top dudes broadcasting in uh, basketball. Why in the hell do I want to go coach and have people booing me and screaming at me and players mad at me? And I don't know. Jay, Jay said, coach first, broadcaster second. It's never exactly. going to flip. And you're always watching coaches that you knew, you know you can run circles around. Like every single day when you see that, I kind of had that feeling as a player before I, you know, before I settled into, hey, I'm not going to come back and play basketball anymore. You look at players like your first couple of years doing broadcasting, you're like, man. That guy got a four-year, $60 million but that's deal. different, though, Jeff. Yeah, but I'm saying that's Jeff is always – Jeff. How long, is, how, long is, how long has Jeff been out? Coaching? Quite some time. I'll tell you here. It's been a second. minute, though, yeah, right? I'm just telling you, though. It's been a you, minute. If you ever talk basketball to no, Jeff Van I, Gundy, I get it. he all is coaches, a savant. All coaches are that – they got that itch no, the same way. I'm not saying all coaches are Jeff Van Gundy. No, no, I'm Jeff talking about Gundy. that itch, okay. though. The itch to get back in it to coach because that's what they are always doing, right? It just – Think about it. Bill Parcells called the show to correct me on something because they always coach and they always coach it. But, man, ain't no way in the hell. I'm, I don't feel like doing this. I'm just like, when they said that the other day, I just said this shit. Now, something, he needs to go get checked out. All I'm saying, 13 <laughs> years Jeff Van Gundy has been out. He's 06, on the outside looking in at it. And we, you always said this, though, Key. Sometimes coaches, they need to be unplugged, take some time, yeah. decompress, and plug back years, in. Though? I, I'm saying, but he, it's not like he hasn't been sharpening his knives. No, I get it. In 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 the the thrill of winning a championship as the head coach, watching it up close in person, and not having that feeling as a head, I get it. But it's just, you know what I'm saying. When you're looking at it, it's like, man, I got the sweetest job in the world. Man, ain't no way in the hell I'm going to go coach. Just doesn't give you the same. Doesn't scratch that itch the way. Doing broadcasting. I can't do it. 06, 07, as Jay mentioned, 13 years. His last year in the league, he actually won that year 52 games with the Rockets. He was the Rockets See? head coach for four years, maybe a reunion. How about the other little wrinkle? I think he's still living in Houston, too, probably. He does live in yeah, Texas. Still he does live in Texas. Yeah. One other oh, thing man. we should mention that could be really cool his brother Stan Van Gundy is interviewing with the Pelicans. So if they both back get back into the league, See, it could be a Jeff versus Stan one. next year. I understand that one because he's. He just was removed several years ago, so it's really close. But Jeff been gone 13 years, so I'm like, uh-uh, yes, no way. Stan was with the Heat, of course. He was with the Magic and the Pistons. I wanted to mention this on Ty Lue. We mentioned right now he's in consideration for Houston along with Jeff Van Gundy. Woj, our senior NBA insider, is saying, yes, Houston is in the mix, but there's another team you got to watch out for with Ty Lue. He made a really strong impression on the Rockets organization Monday in meetings all day, and he has been at the very top of the Clippers search since Doc Rivers was let go. And so right now, he's waiting on both teams to make decisions and finish their interview process. For those that aren't aware, Jay, he's a current Clippers assistant. So what's the better fit, Houston or the Clips? The Clippers. The Clippers are. And I I would say that Houston is intriguing. 
you know, I, this is all speculation. I would assume that Ty Liu is using this for a negotiation perspective. But when you look at rosters and salary caps, for Houston, between Russ and James, I mean, they're owed close to $250 million for the next three years. Wow. And Daryl Morey is kind of locked into this small ball. They could adjust it. They could probably change it. But having Robert Covington and company, like you're probably going to play small ball next year moving forward. So, look, unless they offer you some kind of eight-year incredible contract, which I don't think they would because their owner, Tillman, has not expressed that they want to overly pay coaches, you know, because of how much he's bought the team for and being cash-strapped to a degree – I think the Clippers ultimately give you the best chance to win a world champion. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even thinking about it if I'm Ty Lue. A couple of reasons. Um, I can get that whatever that stigma is that I won a championship in Cleveland with LeBron James, I can get that off my back with the Clippers. And mm-hmm. the reason I can is because Doc Rivers failed to do so. Right. Now I come in and I take us to the championship or get us beyond the second round or whatever that is. Right. Now I people can say, okay, I am the reason for coaching. Going to Houston, much like Jay Will said, you got a lot of cap issues there, but what offense are you going to run? Are those the type of players that you want to have to deal with? I mean, it's just a better situation because you're not getting – if you're in Houston, you're not getting past Golden State if they're healthy, the Lakers, Denver's emerging. I mean, you might as well just sit tight and try to take uh, Til- the Clipper job. Tillman Fertitta, owner of the Rockets, made his money in casino money. That why he might be a little cash-strapped Seven. at the moment. <laughs> he saw Jay Will and Zubin. The podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.